pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. When we get a paper cut in the skin or experience a sunburn, we're injuring the peripheral nerves of the body. These nerves are small, but others like the funny bone called the ulnar nerve or the sciatic nerve that travels down the leg are larger. All of these nerves are part of the peripheral nervous system and consist of nerves outside the brain and spinal cord. It was once believed that if human nerve cells were damaged, they couldn't regenerate. But today, neuroscientists have determined that these cells can, in fact, regrow and reconnect in the peripheral nervous system. But the process is is limited and very slow. Yet researchers are discovering ways of stimulating nerve regrowth in an effort to restore sensory and motor function and to ease pain. Patients with diabetic and HIV neuropathy, trauma, or tumors may someday benefit from the progress of this research. Our guest today is Dr. Douglas Zakadny, a neurologist at the University of Calgary in Alberta, Canada. He's discovering new ways to enhance nerve regeneration that could lead to innovative therapies for painful nerve damage caused by diabetes or trauma. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Millennium Laboratories, My Life Patient Program, and DC2 Healthcare, Atlantis Health Group, The Pain Community, and DepotMed Incorporated. For live online listening to Aches and Games, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Dr. Douglas Zakadny is a professor in the Department of Clinical Neurosciences at the University of Calgary in Alberta, Canada. He's a leader in the study and implementation of nerve regeneration and a team leader of research scientists at the Hodgkiss Brain Institute. Dr. Zakadny, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you for having me. Describe the peripheral nervous system for us because it can be pretty complex. Well, uh, it's a very interesting um, part of the body. It's the major connection between brain, spinal cord, and the rest of the body. Uh-huh. So without peripheral nerves, there's no movement or sensation. Um, they're very long structures, and they essentially connect uh, nerve cells um, in the spinal cord and brain to either muscles or, or skin or other organs that transduce sensation. A major component of the peripheral nervous system is a structure called the axon, Correct. which which is sort of like a, a telephone wire and, and conducts electrical impulses to and from the central nervous system, that is the brain and the spinal cord. Myelin is the insulation that surrounds the axon. 
Not all nerve fibers contain myelin, but those that do allow the impulses to travel more quickly. Yes. Uh, Doug, uh, the peripheral nerves then have motor and sensory function and autonomic function as well. What are some of the diseases or injuries of the peripheral nervous system that lead to pain? Well, there's a wide variety uh, of them, and the nerves also have these fibers called autonomic fibers that control sweating and heart rate and and other matters. Mm -hmm. But the disorders that can cause pain can be anything from a nerve injury, from trauma, or uh, what we call a neuropathy or a disorder of of the nerves. And the most common cause of nerve disorders is diabetes, but there's a long list of other types of damage that can occur in nerves, and they're very, very common. Yeah, you know, in fact, I think 50% of all patients who have diabetes suffer from pain or will at one point. Other other causes of peripheral nerve injury include uh, things like tumors that can compress or erode nerves and drug toxicities. Yes, that's an important cause of, of neuropathy. The, probably the biggest um, challenge we deal with are um, neuropathies from chemotherapy, mm-hmm. patients that have uh, had chemotherapy for cancer, yeah. but one of the debilitating side effects is a uh, sensory neuropathy from that. that that's right. Uh, you know, I've seen, I've seen those patients myself, and, and treating that can be extremely difficult. And, and what's more, you know, even though these are tiny nerves we're talking about, the pain can be intense. Uh, it can be very intense. It's, it's difficult in a lot of ways because you don't see a visible damage to part of your body or your friends don't see the damage yet you're in pain 24-7 That's right. because the nerve supply is generating inappropriate impulses and, and this pain syndrome from it. Mm-hmm. I mean, pain is invisible to the eye many times. And among the sources of peripheral nerve injury, trauma is a frequent one. Well, uh, very, very common. Uh, you know, peripheral nerve traumatic injuries are, are probably 10 times as common as spinal cord injuries. Yeah. And they're in emergency rooms all day. Nerves get uh, severed by um, knives, bullets, fractured bones. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most um, dramatic example uh, we had with where, where somebody was attacked up here in Canada, we have grizzly bears not far away mm. by a grizzly bear wow. and damaged um, our nerves. So lots of different causes um, and certainly a major cause of, of pain. Mm-hmm. As are tumors that can erode into nerves and, and compress them. There is something about the environment around tumors that even when the nerve isn't cut off or compressed by an area of tumor, that um, the inflammation around the tumor mm-hmm. can set off pain. Yeah. Virtually every structure in your body has peripheral nerves in, t- in it. So if there is a tumor of the bone, and the tumor expands the bone, it stretches nerves that are in the bone supply uh, around this to cause pain. It does. And actually, we did a show on bone pain where we explore the intricacies of the nerves that provide sensation to the bone and and how we're developing more effective therapies to treat conditions like osteoarthritis and and pain from bone cancer. Uh, Doug, talk to us now about different types of peripheral nerve injury, that is, crush injuries versus transections. Well, the crush injury regenerates better. Um, it, it is a bit of a fallacy, though, when people say that peripheral nerves regenerate just fine. We should worry more about central nervous system regeneration. Central nervous system regeneration is very, very, very limited, but it's also quite limited in the peripheral nervous system. Mm-hmm. So that, for example, a transection is a much more severe injury than a crush. Yeah. And the time um, it takes for the nerve to grow back down to the end of the body where it belongs um, is also a determinant as to how successful regrowth will be. Exactly. 
Now, Doug, tell us about your research, that is, your work on the peripheral nervous system, because the problem really is this. Damage to the peripheral nerves leads to a slow process of nerve regeneration, and on many occasions, the nerves simply fail to regrow, and all of this leads to uh, ongoing pain and deficits. The nerve endings are very reluctant to regrow. Uh, When you cut them, uh, they begin to grow, but they grow uh, one at a time, something that... um, uh, a colleague in, in Baltimore, actually, Dr. Brushart, described as staggered regeneration. Mm-hmm. So one nerve fiber will grow, others will follow, but the environment they have to grow in uh, does not seem to be conducive for rapid sprouting and support. So the trick is to make the environment more conducive or also change the nerve's point of view so that it's able to grow despite an inhibitory environment. Yes, and when we come back from the break, we'll talk to Dr. Zakadni much more about the relationship between pain and nerve injury. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, the global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Teva, a leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. Millennium Laboratories, a leader in the science of toxicology and pharmacogenetics, is transforming the way healthcare professionals monitor and manage their patients' medication therapy. Through the use of advanced technology supported by research and education, Millennium helps practitioners personalize care for patients. For more information, please visit www.millenniumlabs.com. My Life Patient Program and DC2 Healthcare, connecting patients to top physicians in the United States, reaching the highest standard of patient care through research patient programs and gains in overall health. For more information, please visit mylifepatientproject.com and dc2healthcare.com. Welcome back. We're speaking with Dr. Douglas Zakadny, who's a professor in the Department of Clinical Neurosciences at the University of Calgary in Alberta, Canada. And he's a leader in the study and uh, implementation of nerve regeneration. Uh, Doug, tell us about the relationship between neural injury and pain. We think there's a huge linkage between pain and nerves that have not regrown properly. If you have a lesion of myelin, there are some nerve disorders that are purely demyelinating or loss of myelin. Mm -hmm. Those can recover fairly well because the wiring is still intact. Right. And as long as the myelin reforms, function can come back. But the moment that you interrupt the wire, it requires that the nerve has to completely regrow from its proximal stump uh-huh. uh, outward again. And that's the limitation. Right. And that wiring technically is called the axon. And the proximal stump is that uh, part of the nerve that's been cut closest to the body. And Doug, what you're trying to do then is to develop strategies to make the axon or wire reconnect with itself. Yes to encourage much more rapid growth uh, so that it can overcome the inhibitions and, um, or, and go where it's supposed to go. Yeah. But there are many, many steps to the, to the process uh, of growing, um, and encouraging more rapid regrowth is only one of them. Uh, accurate reconnection, for example, is another. Mm-hmm. And what happens to nerves after they've been cut or injured, and how do they get repaired? Uh, if someone comes along and cuts a nerve, the uh, ends of, uh, of the nerve come apart by up to several millimeters. And there are certainly expert surgeons that can try to bring the nerve back together and, and microsuture it together, try to align the fascicles nicely. Mm-hmm. But often that's impossible. So there is this, what we call, nerve gap. 
and some surgeons will put a graft of another nerve there, that a nerve that may be less valuable, like the sural nerve, yeah. or, or a tube. And the current state of the art is trying to put biodegradable tubes to connect through these gaps. So they definitely do need help to regrow. And the longer they've been disconnected, the less likely they are to get where they belong. Yeah. It's like a cascade of events occurs after a nerve cell is injured. Yeah, yeah. At one point, molecules are synthesized that support neuronal growth. But growth of that wire, or axon, involves reconnection to the target tissue. These axons have to bridge that gap, as you mentioned, and then identify the correct path in order to restore normal sensory and motor function. I mean, I think of it as as like having a piece of rope torn and trying to reconnect the two ends. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. And But what happens with these ropes is that the um, end, the distal end or the faraway end, uh, degenerates almost immediately. So the moment you cut the wiring or the axon, uh, the whole distal end of the nerve then degenerates in a process we call Wallerian or Wallerian-like degeneration. Right. And so it would be lovely to try and just rejoin the ends of these axons. Mm-hmm. People have wondered about it, but the events are so rapid that you'd have to do it within milliseconds to wow. prevent this degenerative process from occurring. Mm-hmm. So for recovery to occur, then the parent nerve has to send new sprouts and roll all the way back down. Yeah, it seems, uh, it seems pretty challenging, but what's exciting is that you're working on strategies that will facilitate the process of neural regrowth. Yes, and, and I think uh, people have worked for a number of years on what are called growth factors. Mm-hmm. Um, and Levy Maltocini discovered one called nerve growth factor that helps certain types of nerve cells to grow. Uh, what we've been trying to do is 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 make the nerves cells more plastic to begin with, right. so that they can um, they can sprout and and have a better chance of getting over the inhibitory environment. So these pathways are turned on when a nerve cell has a growth factor uh, attached to it, but you can turn on these growth pathways inside the nerve cell using other approaches um, by manipulating the molecules in the nerve cell. Mm-hmm. And you recently discovered that a protein called retinoblastoma is present in adult nerves. And this protein appears to act as a break which prevents nerve growth. And what you've done successfully is that you've inactivated retinoblastoma to release the break and get the nerves to grow much faster. Doug, do you think, though, that we have a false hope, and that is that we hope that nerves can regrow if they're injured and have restored sensation, pain relief, and function? Yes, that's that's very true, and it's a little bit under the radar, the fact that nerve cells and peripheral nerve disorders do not recover as well. I think the best example Mm -hmm. I've ever come across uh, of this problem was a young man in his 20s who was a passenger in a vehicle. The driver was intoxicated. They were involved in an accident, and he damaged what's called the brachial plexus in his arm. Uh-huh. That supplies all of the nerve supply to the hand and forearm motor sensory function. And uh, it was three or four years down the road, he had damaged the brachial plexus such that all the axons were disrupted. There were gaps. Um, there's no way a surgeon could repair this. And so he had a flail arm with no hope of recovery. And he was 
uh, suggesting that perhaps the only thing that would help him is if the arm was actually amputated. Mm. He found that it was in his way, yeah. it was painful, it was not working. And I thought, what a sad way to go ahead as a 20-year-old with the idea that you got to have to have this limb removed instead of having a strategy to, to have these nerves grow back and reinnervate the hand. Very sad. But you're working on those strategies, which is very exciting. We talked about how difficult it is for the axons, that is the wires of the nerves, to regrow after injury. The peripheral nerves have the ability to regenerate after injury, um, but only specific injuries. For example, after a sunburn or a paper cut in the skin. And that's unlike the axons in the brain or spinal cord, which, which certainly regenerate less well. Why is that? So they can. Yeah, and that's another um, interesting direction that we've gone in the lower laboratory. Mm-hmm. You're right. The, the the skin cells are constantly sloughing off. We're losing our skin cells every day. And so there is a nerve supply right in that skin that has to stay there and, and maintain itself. So we think that the skin nerves are actually quite plastic and capable of, of uh, regrowing and maintaining the supply. And that's another kind of regeneration. It's something we call collateral sprouting. Mm-hmm. The nerve cells are there um, but they can sprout and regrow into other territories to make up for losses. Uh, I think if we can encourage uh, collateral sprouting in some areas, it, it could compensate. It may not compensate for all neurological deficits from nerve injury, but it, it could help compensate better for some types of injury. Mm-hmm. I think there's great promise there, especially uh, applying your research techniques to collateral sprouting in areas other than the skin, like uh, the brachial plexus that we just talked about, or for diabetic painful neuropathy. Don't go away. When we come back, we'll talk to Dr. Zakadney about how his research can help to reduce neuropathic pain. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. DepoMed Incorporated, a specialty pharmaceutical company focused on developing and commercializing products to treat pain and other central nervous system conditions. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives. Reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. Atlantis Health Group. Atlantis is a comprehensive multi-specialty physician group committed to enhancing the quality and process of healthcare delivery across the country. Visit AtlantisHG.com. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter or like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Welcome back. Doug, how will your research help reduce neuropathic pain? And that is conditions like HIV neuropathy, diabetic neuropathy, or, or, you know, injury to the brachial plexus, like we mentioned before. At least part of the story of neuropathic pain is a situation where the nerves have been uh, irreversibly damaged and and are not recovering or regenerating very well. Mm -hmm. And we know that when the nerves do reach their targets and regrow and reconnect, they're less likely to uh, generate neuropathic pain. And so recovering from neuropathy will have a chance to diminish ongoing neuropathic pain. Now, having said that, there are some types of neuropathic pain that um, are persistent, and some people recover from some neuropathies but still have pain, and so it's a complex 
problem. There's changes in the connections to the central nervous system, changes in the composition of the nerve fiber. So it's it's only part of the story. Mm-hmm. And, and you're focusing on turning the brakes off of certain molecules that, that will then allow nerves to regrow. And what's so optimistic about that is that in time, this could be used as a safe treatment for patients suffering from nerve damage and pain. We've been particularly looking at um, molecules that paradoxically are present in tumor cells, Mm -hmm. uh, which are very interesting. Uh, Tumor cells uh, grow, and that's the problem. They grow too much and they don't stop. Nerve cells, on the other hand, are sitting there not growing when you want them to. And so there there are, we, we believe there are several molecules in nerves that are also present in tumors that if you could tweak them just a certain way, you could increase their growth capacity. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one of the molecules that you've been studying that is a break to nerve regeneration after injury is something called P10, P-T-E-N, which is an acronym for essentially a phosphatase, which is an enzyme. And what it normally does uh, is prevent unwarranted growth. Mm-hmm. And patients with tumors may have a mutation in P10, so they're getting unrestricted growth. But this molecule P10 is also present in, in nerve cells, and using a strategy called siRNA, you can temporarily knock down P10 uh-huh. or inhibit the break or inhibit the roadblock, right. and it allows the nurse to grow much more robustly than they would normally. Wow, that's fantastic. And your team came up with a way of blocking P10. We identified that this P10 found that even after injuries, there's still a lot of P10 sitting there Mm -hmm. inhibiting regeneration, and then found if you took nerve cells in a dish or or, um, after a nerve injury that you could increase growth by inhibiting P10. It's preclinical, it's animal work, yet it's not in humans. But this is a tremendous opportunity to apply this strategy to human conditions. Yes, I think you know, the trick is going to be that um, it's it's a complicated molecule and, and you you don't want people to, to get cancer, obviously. Right. So the trick will be very localized, very temporary, shut down a P10, allow the nerve to grow and do its thing and, and then um, shut it off. Right. You know, how are you actually shutting or blocking P10? Um, so we've done that a couple of ways. There are... Um, there are small molecules out there that companies have made that are inhibitors of P10. So mm-hmm. um, the field is really growing uh, in a major way. Uh, these siRNAs are little um, complexes of RNAs that shut down protein synthesis. Right. And we know that we can give them near the area of nerve injury, and they get transported into the nerve and, and they um, uh, do what it's supposed to mm-hmm. uh, in that way. And there may be other approaches as well, so we're thinking about that. Well, you can give it then locally, if you will, but what about giving it more systemically, taking it by mouth or getting it intravenously? Well, we've used the P10 just locally at the area of nerve injury and and had some nice success that way um, with the siRNA. If there's a small molecule that crosses uh, the nerve barrier, um, you could give it um, perhaps intravenously or even orally, but um, uh, I don't think we're quite there yet. Well, I do hope we get there soon. Doug, now let's talk about RAGs, regeneration-associated genes. The minute um, a nerve cell uh, is injured, the nerve then tries to change its genetic program to upregulate the RAGs and um, to support regrowth through those molecules, Mm -hmm. but it may not be enough, and that's why looking at other approaches to enhance that 
effect is the direction. Right. No, it sounds like a fantastic direction. Yes. Let's talk now about Rho A, which is a molecule that's in the central nervous system and peripheral nervous system. Yes. And uh, it leads, unfortunately, to growth retraction during a peripheral nerve injury. Yes. So so Rho A is has been around a little longer, and um, there's a lot of excitement about Rho A and, for example, spinal cord injury, mm-hmm. but it also is a, a blocker of growth. If you inhibit Rho A, um, it, it also allows increased sprouting. And a, a trick, I think, is going to be to put some of these together. If you combine P10 and Rho A inhibition, yeah. you, know, well, you get an added benefit. Mm-hmm. And so people are thinking about novel ways to deliver Rho A inhibitors for spinal cord injury, and I, I think they could be helpful for peripheral nerve injury. They don't have as The important part about Rho A is that it's not necessarily um, a cancer-related molecule as well, so it might be a good way to start. Yeah, I mean, that seems like a definite advantage, and certainly combining the inhibitors seems like double the advantage. You know, unfortunately, we're out of time. But join us next time when we talk to Dr. Zakadni about the steps needed for nerve regeneration, the potential of reversing the damage of diabetic neuropathy, the promise of nerve growth factors, and the timeline for the practical use of his research in clinical medicine. Dr. Zakadni, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. It's a pleasure. Very nice to talk with you. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.